some of my greatest memories have been with friends that I have had, that I have shared over the past years. God's plan, really, is to use healthy friendships in order to encourage us in our lives when things go wrong, to console us, and even to really minister kindness to us through a healthy friendship. And those are all through healthy friendships. And you know what else God does with those? He uses them to expose different needs that we have in our lives, needs where he really wants to make some changes. And so then if we will partner with him, he will, he will change, make some changes in our lives. Um, and if we choose not to participate in that process, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, he will then discipline us if we choose not to. But it's through these healthy friendships that God deals with things like our pride and our selfishness. And these are all good things that God does through healthy friendships. But some of my biggest mistakes in life were also shared with friends. <laughs> when I was in unhealthy friendships, and those are extremely toxic friendships, and we don't see them as toxic, but they are. It's friendships that have this faulty foundation from the very beginning. And these friendships are on a very clear path, but it's not a path that is being shaped by God's planning. It's a path that's actually toxic to us. And the longer that we're on that path, then the longer that we are exposed to the toxins of a very toxic friendship and it's the greater harm yeah. that's going to happen and, to us. And really, some of those friendships that you're talking about and some of the friendships that all of us have experienced at one time or another, I mean, we've all been there, we've all experienced it, some of them are very, very, very toxic. Yeah. And let's face it, we know it, right? We, we know it. Um, you're probably sitting there right now, and you're thinking of that friendship. Or you were thinking of that past friendship, and you, you may even have that picture of that person in your mind or of that relationship in your mind. And, and, and we know when that relationship is very, very toxic, in most cases, in many cases, I should say. But, I mean, let's face it, um, it's comfortable, right? I mean, it's a comfortable relationship. It's a very comfortable friendship. It, it's a friendship that that person's very available to us. Uh, that person is almost, ha maybe has become a habit to us. It's almost become like a habit. Um, and many times it's obvious to people around us that the friendship is toxic. You know, the people, you've often heard the people around you can see it before you yourself can. It's obvious to the people around us that it's a, it's a toxic situation, but, you know, I refuse to do anything about it. I refuse to do anything about that relationship, that friendship, because... I can handle it. I've got it. I can keep that relationship from doing anything to really impact me too much. Yeah. And so, you know, that type of toxic relationship to that extreme, that is someone who is knowingly choosing to stay in that toxic relationship. And they are going to stay there probably until they or the other person eventually self-destruct. And they may call that friendship their ride or die, but healthy friendships around them see that relationship specifically as that uh, ride or die relationship. They see that one anyway as full of death. It's the death of good decision making 
It's the death of reason, the death of dreams, the death of healthy relationships, and most importantly, in that scenario, it's the death of Christ-likeness and the death of pursuing Christ. And in that situation, if we are in that situation, we have already abandoned reason. And we know that it's toxic, as Cole said. On some level, we know but we continue to choose that relationship. Now, the series we're talking about over the next few weeks, it's not really going to help that scenario. That's not the type of toxic friendship that this series is addressing. And, and honestly, Cole, and as we have thought through this, I'm not sure there's a teaching series that can help that relationship because... That is a friendship where there has been a willful choice to walk yeah. away from God. Well, and, and probably, you know, when you initially, if you did hear what the topic was for September and you heard toxic friendships, that's maybe where your mind went. It went kind of in that direction. And kind of, that's the low-hanging fruit, if yeah. you will. But it's kind of like, we really don't need four weeks to get that out of the way. That's kind of like, well, you either walk away from that or... Or you don't. You don't. Mm -hmm. There's really not a whole lot more to say. What we're talking about in this series is really a lot more complicated. And it's actually probably going to be a little bit more, it's going to ruffle some feathers. Could possibly, it could possibly make you feel, let me rephrase, it could possibly make us feel a little uncomfortable. Because what we're talking about this series is a form, in this series, is a form of friendship that we think is good. And on many, many levels, it probably is. It's probably a good relationship. It's probably a good friendship. Um, it probably, on many levels, it is a healthy friendship. But not on all levels. In reality, on at least the most important aspect of our life, it's slowly poisoning us. So if we're willing, and that's really what it comes down to. That's really what it comes down to. This entire series... Um, Harley being the master teacher that he is. <laughs> We're in trouble. Harley, we can, we can, we can weave together some, some really cool phrasing and put together some, some really interesting visual aids, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to if we are willing, all of us, if we're willing, God's Word can help us in this area with this type of a counterfeit friendship that is slowly becoming toxic to the point that we do not even see the toxicity on the level that we're going to hopefully clarify here in just a few seconds. Now, everyone around us in our life may look at this friendship that we're going to talk about and say, man, that's a great friend that you have. That is a great relationship. That's a true friendship. That is a perfectly fine friendship that you have. And again, in most ways, it, it very well may be, probably yeah, and, is. And I might even throw in, they may be looking for a friendship like Absolutely. that. The person no making that No question about it. They probably are yeah. looking for that and say, man, I'd love to have what you have. Yeah. Um, but we're not used to looking for the subtle signs of a slowly toxic relationship that we are wanting to talk about, which really Paul talks about and Paul tells us to watch out for in his letter 
to the Christ followers in the town of Colossus. It's in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And this is what Paul says. He says, be careful um, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. So we're called to something different, apparently. By, by what Paul says there. We're apparently called to something different. We're apparently called to something real, something authentic, something living, you know, the real thing, if you will. We're called to a God-designed friendship. We're called to um, something, you know, that we may not have always had or something that we have always experienced in our human tradition or in our human culture, something that is not readily available or is not readily experienced. And Paul says, we need to think differently. I mean, he says it in his letter to the church, the Christ followers in Rome. He says, look, you, you guys have to think differently than everybody else. Tradition, culture, it all looks this way. But you, as a follower of Jesus, you've got to look at it a little different. And he says it in Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed to this age. That could be any age. He was writing 2,000 years ago, but it still applies yeah. to today. He says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern, discern just being, you know, tell, the, tell good from bad, right? Discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Yeah. And, you know, we feel this need to talk about friendship even because well before, because we planned this topic long before COVID-19 ever was on the radar. And the isolation that we have felt through COVID-19, um, back in 2017, in fact, the Harvard Business Review, um, our former Surgeon General, here's what he declared, that loneliness is an epidemic in the United States. Here's what he said. Here's the quote. Loneliness and emotional well-being are serious health concerns. This was back in 2017, and we know since COVID-19 has been on the scene for us and worldwide that isolation and loneliness is so epidemic right now. We feel that. Do, do we feel lonely? Don't... Uh, don't we have a problem as we look at our friendships even to be able to say, why don't my friendships satisfy me right now? And then we ask these questions. And are we not working hard enough at those friendships? Is that why they're not satisfying to us? Are we not making those friendships a priority? Are we too guarded in those friendships? Have we put up too many walls between us and other people? Do we just not maybe have the right social skills to pull off a good relationship? Are we too introverted? Are, are we too overpowering and extroverted? So we have all these questions. And maybe it's possible that some of these things are true, maybe. But we believe that they're not the main problem. We believe there is a root problem for friendship. So why don't our friendships satisfy us? I mean, we've got this thing that we need. The Surgeon General in 2017, according to the Harvard, Harvard Business Review, said we're not getting it 
So why are we not getting it? Why are we not being satisfied in this area that we so desperately need? We just want to maybe place out there the possibility, suggest the possibility, that maybe it's possible that maybe our friendships were never intended to satisfy the need that we were trying to make them satisfy. Maybe that's not the purpose of those friendships. See, for a Christ follower, me, I'm a Christ follower. August 23rd, 1998. That was was when I became a Christ follower. That's when I said, you know what? Jesus, you're in charge. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand the whole thing. I don't know how you did it. All I know is you came to earth, you lived, you died, you came back to life. I'm with him. (laughs) You know, I'm with that guy. Right? I don't understand it. I'm just going to follow him. So from that moment, I, as a Christ follower, my friendships, they, they're not supposed to be according to current culture and what the current culture says about a friendship. Instead, they really should be according to what Jesus says about the topic. And most often, I mean, let's face it, we've got really, really good desires when it comes to our friendships. We, we want good things from our relationships. Um, you know, we want friendships uh, who are friends that are consistent, right? I mean, we all want consistency. We want relationships that are consistent. We want relations, at least I feel like we all share these, these values. I, I, this is me. We, I want a friendship that is consistent. I want a friendship, uh, a person who is present, you know, somebody that I can count on, who's going to be there, who's going to actually answer the phone when I call, Sorry, Austin, I'm not great about that sometimes. I know I'm terrible. I, I got to be honest. I got to do better at that. But, I, I know, but that we want present, you know, just be there. We want a friend who values us, you know. We want a, a friend who, uh, you know, just wants to connect with us. And truthfully, God has placed that into our DNA. We're wired by our genetic makeup, to want that. We all want those same basic things. And the whole world's the same way. I mean, the whole world is hurting for the relationships on that level. Look at the movies. They're all the same. Watch a Hallmark movie. <laughs> it's the same thing. Read a magazine. Um, look at social media. Look at Facebook. Wow. Right? It's like a rush when you get on social media. Uh, look at Instagram. Look at Snapchat. I mean, we're all looking for the same thing in our relationships. Everyone wants it all over the world. Yeah, and I I believe every one of our genetic codes to want and desire those things. So the desire for stability, the desire for companionship, the desire for significance, um, that is all right, and it is good. But we have been looking for those things in the wrong place. So God even called Israel out and he kind of puts them on point. And it happens in the Old Covenant. I'm going to use one little uh, section of Scripture out of the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant, to help you, you and to help me kind of break this down. And God was saying, okay, Israel, you are looking for fulfillment in the wrong places. And he spoke this through his prophet Jeremiah. And we, we can read it in chapter 2 of Jeremiah, verse 13. Here's what is written. 
for my people, and this is God speaking to his people, the prophet Jeremiah is conveying this message. That's one, the fountain of living water. They did a double evil. They have abandoned me, that's one, the fountain of living water, he says. And they have, here's number two, they have dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. So God is using this as a visual picture to help them understand what they've done, to help them see what they are doing and in the process of doing. And he said, first, Israel, you have abandoned me. I am the spring water, the living water. God is comparing himself to that. And in fact, God uses that to describe himself frequently in the Bible. He said, I'm this living water this spring of life, and you're walking away from me, and in, instead you've tried to solve your desires that I can meet, you've tried to solve them by going to idols. It, it is like he said that they dug these giant holes we'll, that he's calling a cistern in the water, and it was not a well a cistern, just this giant hole to hold water and it's in the ground. And they would go in, and historically, when they would dig a real cistern, they would go down, they would dig it out, then because of where they lived, and they, it, water wouldn't stay in there. So they would create this kind of cement, kind of plaster-like substance with limestone. They would crush it up and create this plaster, and they would coat all of the walls around the cistern and the bottom of it so that it would hold water. But as the days got hot, as a year went by, that plaster would crack and it would hold no water at all. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, you have left me and you have dug these broken, cracked cisterns and that's what you're looking for. And he says, that's the idol. That's yeah, so I mean, this, this hole that they were using to quench a thirst that, that they had was dried out. It was, it, was, it was, practically speaking, it was worthless. Israel had, had everything yeah. that they needed. They had everything from God. Um, God was their living water. And, and again, like you said, that uh, symbolism is all over the Old Covenant. And it's actually all over the yeah. New Covenant as yes. well. It's all yes. over the entire Bible. And so Israel has everything that they need, but they walked away. And they said, eh, we're, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to trust in idols. And then they put their, their needs into this, uh, according to Jeremiah, through God, according to God through Jeremiah, they put their needs into these cracked cisterns to get this thing that they need, water. And it couldn't meet their needs. They could not have their thirst quenched by the method that they chose to do it. So the Harvard Business Review, the Surgeon General, by way of the Harvard Business Review, says, hey, man, this, this culture that we live in right now, it is, we have a pandemic. <laughs> we have a pandemic, and it is loneliness. We are lonely. We are we are." begging for relationships, but the Surgeon General does not then say, and here's how we can cure that loneliness. This is how we can cure that loneliness, because they don't have the cure for the loneliness, but actually, 
It's interesting because the Old Covenant talks about it in relation to Israel, and the New Covenant talks about it in relationship to the follower of Jesus. The cure for the loneliness is a relationship with Jesus. That's the cure. That's kind of the, 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 the spot, you know, that, that, that empty spot inside that you just like, man, I can't fill it with anything. I can't fill it with drugs. I can't fill it with alcohol. I can't fill it with people. I can't fill it, I can't fill it with anything. It's always empty. Well, that, that's because it's a spot that is Jesus-sized, you know? Most of our problems in friendships are the result, or at least I feel like this is a safe statement, are the results of searching for really good things. Friendships that are, that are consistent and, and friends that are present and that, that, that are, uh, they, they, they love us and they care us and they respect, they respect us. Searching for some really good things in relationships, but just searching for them in the wrong spot. Good relationships, good friendships, good people that people around us are going to say, Man, I wish I had a friend like that. Just searching for that in the wrong places. Because what we're doing is we're walking away from God's living water and instead we're digging our own cracked, worthless cisterns and we're trying to quench a thirst that we have in our DNA, genetically encoded into our DNA, needing that relationship that can only be quenched with Jesus and we're trying to fill it with a relationship with other people, yeah. with a culture. Because that's what the culture says do. And we're hoping that the cistern is going to hold the water that we so desperately need, but every single time, as good as the relationship is, and as good as the friend is, and as close as we are, at least in my at some point, and it's going to fail at some point, and when it does, at least in my experience, we are crushed. No matter how often we think that our friendships are going to meet those needs, they're going to turn up empty. Yeah, every time. Every time. And God, though, actually desires that we know him personally. So let's jump into the New Covenant for a moment. John chapter 17. This is a guy that was one of the early followers of Jesus and his firsthand account of his experience with Jesus. And here's a quote um, by Jesus that John gives us. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, Jesus is saying, that they may know you, the one only true God, the one you have sent, and we have a name here, Jesus Christ. That's who. Yeah, know him like a friend. That, that word is used many times, like a friend. I mean, Noah was called a friend of God. Um, Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses was called a friend of God. Yeah. Listen to this again. Thinking with the thought that Cole said there, friend of God. Listen again. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one only true God, and the one you have sent. Jesus Christ. He used the word they. That they may know you. We are part of the they. <laughs> that includes us. We can actually know Jesus, not just know about him. We can attend a church experience for our whole lives and know more about Jesus, but that's not what he wants. He wants you and me to know him 
personally not just know about him, we can know him. Now let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For since our, what is that? Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, that's Jesus, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved uh, through the life of his son. That's because Jesus died on the cross for us. So, verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. We were, see, we were his enemies, but now, uh, Paul is saying, we have been made a friend of God so now we can rejoice in our, our wonderful new relationship with God because, here's why, our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We've just been looking to the wrong friendship. We were made to experience perfect love. That's how God designed us. A love that can actually save our lives. A love that will give us the stability that we long for, a love that will always be present, will never run away from us, a love that's going to give our lives meaning. We can have that. And that perfect love is found in a saving friendship with Jesus. And that's really the only place we're going to find him. There's some great, we all have some good friends. We all have some great relationships. We all have some people that are present and they're connected and they're, they're all of those things. And, and we're not downplaying those relationships those are we're not saying that those are toxic relationships we're saying that when those relationships are the place that we are trying to find that perfect love that only Jesus offers they have now become toxic because if we look anywhere else other than in a relationship with Jesus for perfect love then that relationship no matter how good it is becomes a broken it is, it's a broken, cracked cistern. It's going to come up empty. It's going to be dry. It's not going to quench the thirst, no matter how hard we work to make it work. Um, when we ask our, our human friends, our best friend, our parents, our kids, grandparents, you, you name it, any relationship you can think of, when we ask our human friends to be any of those things, we will be let down every single time i will let you down he will let you down right. your mo mother will let you down your father will let you down your kids will let you down billy graham let his friends down yeah because no human friend can be those things can be that perfect love for anybody so even the best person existing alive today in the world or to my mind in recent history would be Billy Graham. Even that best person in the world is still going to fail to be completely present and to be consistent and to be perfectly caring. And here's why. Because we are all, myself included, we are all sinners and because of that, from time to time, at usually the most inopportune times, we hurt people. We all do. And trying to get those needs, those God-given needs that we have, trying to get those met from people is like us trying to walk to the moon. And in order to do it, 
we're going to build our own staircase one brick at a time and build the staircase all the way to the moon. And guess what? It's never going to happen. You see, we have these God-given desires for stability. So we search all around for that. But it will only be met when that search leads us to Jesus. And that's actually God's design. I mean, not only is it God's design, we have this God-given desire for companionship. I don't understand it. Now, there are some people, and there are exceptions to every rule. I know that. There are some people that, and you, I've, you see it on Facebook, right? You know, the little picture or whatever. I could go into the mountains, and I could live there and never see another person the rest of my <laughs> life and be perfectly happy. And there may be people that, that feel that way. I, I don't. I would lose my mind. The, the rule is we have a God-given, genetically encoded DNA desire for companionship. We are lonely without it. So what do we do? We look for it. We search for it. We turn things. We, we, we go to the end of the earth to try to find companionship. We, we all go about searching for it in different ways. Some people search for it in a bar. Some people search for it in a ball game. Some people search for it at a music venue. Some people search for it at church. But we're all searching for it. We're all searching for companionship. And we're all searching for this getting rid of loneliness. But the truth is, if we're searching for it, and we're searching for the, the solution to loneliness in any venue, location, substance, including a church, Anywhere other than in a relationship with Jesus, it's going to come up dry. It's going to come up empty. Yeah. It's only going to be met if that leads us there. And we have this God-given desire for significance in our life, to feel significant, to be significant. And so, as Cole said, we search for it everywhere. And we search for other people to make us feel significant. But it will only be met when that search leads us to Jesus. When we have been asking friends to do something that only God can do, that is what is toxic to us. And honestly, when we ask them to do that, it's toxic to them too. So, for the rest of this series, the next three weeks, this morning, the next three weeks, will you simply join us in this series as we try to identify the toxic friendships, relationships, behaviors, those toxic friendship behaviors that really have become um, cracked cisterns that are never going to do what we expect that they should do. Yeah. So here's what we're asking you to do. It all boils down to this this morning as we wrap this up. We're just simply inviting you. Will you come along with us? Folks who are coming to the theater, the worship theater, come on, come with us, will you? Folks who are, don't yet feel safe, you're at home, online, come with us. Will you come with us on this journey? And let's identify these little, tiny, subtle, poisonous, toxic behaviors, and let's take those the, and the relationships in which those behaviors live, let's take those to Jesus who is our living water. Now here's the step we want to ask you to take with us this week. 
Will you simply, throughout the course of this week, will you just talk to God? And will you ask God this question? Is it possible that I have been expecting my friends to do some things that only God can do for me? Are you willing to go on this four-week journey? I hope you are. And it's going to take all four weeks, <laughs> and then some, honestly. But one, week number one is almost done. We have three to go. And if you'll participate, I do believe it will begin as you partner with God. It will begin to transform even the best of your friendships. And in doing so, it will begin to change your life. Now, before we join our voices together, and oh, I hope you'll sing with us. We'll turn the music up so maybe your neighbor won't hear. <laughs> but I hope you'll sing with us as we, as we lift up this one God who can heal the hurts of our hearts. Will you join us in that first? Let's pray. Join me in a prayer. God, you told us in your word that that our friendship with you has been restored by the death of Jesus. And God, I'm so grateful. Thank you that even when I was your enemy, God, and living as your enemy, that Jesus, knowing that was going to happen, Jesus died on the cross for me. And we can rejoice in this wonderful new relationship because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And this is eternal life that we might know you, the only true God, the one you have sent. May we know you, Jesus, and it is in your name that we pray these things. Amen.